0: I want to talk with you today about abiding in the blessing. How we live in the blessings of life. You know, and as we, as we look at this, you know, the first thing we need to know is is how are we blessed or know what God says about the blessing. You know, <clears throat> And I'm, I know I'm going to get an amen from Donna on this one, but you know, I, I, I'm on Facebook, but sometimes it just really irritates me. <laughs> she doesn't like Facebook. How does she know? She, she doesn't have it. So how can you judge that which you know is the not? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I got on Facebook because I, I love the pictures. You know, I, I mean, I find out what's going on in people's lives. I, I realized that the Mobleys were just as busy as we were yesterday, even though we drove from Fort Dodge to Des Moines to see soccer games. But, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the things about Facebook is you really find out what people are against. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. (laughs) You know, I I went to that movie, God's Not Dead 3. Thank God he's not dead three times. (laughs) He only had to die once. But you know what the greatest line in the whole movie was? When this guy that was backslid said, I had trouble with church because I knew what they didn't believe. I, I knew what they were against but I didn't know what they were for. I don't want it, there ever be any question about what I'm for. Mm-hmm. I'm for Jesus. For he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Mm-hmm. And there may be a lot of sod trails that we take periodically. But let me tell you something. It's about Jesus. And any time you get your eyes off of Jesus, you, you, get, you, you, get, in a, you get in a rut. You know, I realized this a long time ago. You know, that when you're trying to establish your goodness upon your works, it leaves you nothing else but to judge everybody else. I mean, I, I remember in the little things back when, you know, my brother and I were in the same church up in Truman, Minnesota. Back then in the denominations, whenever you gave, um, at the end of the year, there was a report that came out, and whatever you gave was in that report, and so everybody could read what you, what you gave. And so when that report came out, the first thing that I did was I, I turned to the S's, and I checked out the Schroeders because I wanted to make sure that I'd given more than my brother. Because there was a comparison there. You know, I may not have been real good, but my brother was a whole lot worse than me, let me tell you that right now. But you know what, that's where we are in the church oftentimes. You know, I, I used to think it was so spiritual when I'd stand up here, and i, I just apologize for that. I used to think it was so spiritual when I was up here, and through sarcasm or whatever else it may be, I would... I would inform everybody as to how wicked and no good they were. And really, I was just, it was just, compare. You ever notice something? Everybody preaches on what's not their problem. Amen. Anybody that comes against you, what they're going to condemn you of is not their problem. Because it's everybody else's problem. And what's this got to do with anything? I believe when we have that attitude, we're not gonna experience the blessings that we ought to in the kingdom of God. Because you know what, just as that song we sang, we're supposed to have the heart of God. And I don't know about you, and I, 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 of course I read my Bible differently now than, than I used to. I used to read the Bible and see all my failings and my shortcomings. I used to read my Bible and see how I never measured up. Now I read my Bible and I see a gracious, merciful, loving Father who sent his most precious possession, his Son, to pay the ultimate price for my sins so that I might experience not only forgiveness but that I might have life and that I might have it more abundantly. And that is why it's all about Jesus. Does that mean we're just supposed to go out and live lousy? No. But when we have a heart for God, there's things that begin to change in our life. And so, I want you to know this morning, if you don't leave here with anything else, I want you to leave with this. I want this drilled into your brain, into your spirit. God loves you. Because let me tell you something. When you know love, you can overcome a lot of obstacles. And when you know the love of God, we can overcome. We can overcome. Amen. Let's Let's turn to Deuteronomy. 28. Oh, Pastor Dave. You just got done talking about God as being love, and you're going to turn to Deuteronomy 28? Well, we're not going to go beyond the 15th verse. In fact, we're only going to look at two verses. You know, in Deuteronomy 28, it, it is very key, Old Testament chapter. And, it, and it, it, it's because of Galatians 3.13, where Paul writes and he says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Heaven become a curse for us. Curse every man that hangs on the tree. Sorry, it's not in the list. He said it's free from the curse. When you read through Deuteronomy, when you get past about the 15th verse, it starts talking about the curse. You've been redeemed from that. And so you can read Deuteronomy 28, 15 to the end, And at the end, you can say, praise God. I've been set free from that in Jesus' name. But the first verses of Deuteronomy 28 are talking about the blessings. Thank God we've not been set free from the blessings. We walk in the blessings. But notice this in verse 3. It says, blessed shall you be in the city. And blessed shall you be in the country. So whether you're a city dweller or a farmer, you're blessed because of the blessings of God. Verse 6, blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. Everybody say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Well, I don't always feel blessed. But it's not about feeling, it's about what he says. He says that we are blessed. You know, in, in Genesis, it talks about Abraham and it talks about Abraham. Now, how, how many of you know <clears throat> that Abraham messed up a few times? You know, Abraham was, uh, uh, he lied about his wife, not a good thing to do. Uh, said that she was his sister. You know, just different things. So Abraham didn't live this perfect life. But notice what, what it says about Abraham. Abraham in Genesis 24, 1. Now, Abraham was old, well advanced in age. I kind of felt that way when I had to lean over to pick up the TV control this morning. Boy, I tell you, every part of my body hurt. You know, I don't know if it was sitting in those uncomfortable chairs at soccer games yesterday or what, but Anyway. I think I had an idea of what Abraham was feeling. Now, Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Did you hear that? He blessed Abraham in all things. Do you know what God wants to do? He wants to bless you and I in all things. Let me give you a definition of what it is to be Blessed. Blessed means to be empowered to have success in every area of life. God's blessed you. He's empowered you to have success in every area of your life. To be blessed is to be the object of God's favor. I have favor with God. <clears throat> I like to say that I'm his favorite son. Although we all are. Because he's not a respecter of persons. But you know what? You need to, you need to see yourself that way. So often we struggle when, when we don't see blessing in our life. When we, see, we, we, we get this idea that, well, I guess I'm just getting what I deserve. Well, you know what, you probably are. But thank God, because of Jesus Christ, you don't get what you deserve. You get blessing in your life. You get everything that Jesus purchased for you. And he purchased it for you through his death, burial, and his resurrection, through his blood. Victory, prosperity, abundance in every area is ours. Through Christ Jesus. But we talked about it a few weeks ago. We talked about the fact, though, we need to pursue that which God has provided for us. And the way that we pursue it is by faith. And one of the number one ways that we pursue it by faith is coming to the realization that it's available to me, that it belongs to me. Because you know what, if I don't know that it's mine, there's no way that I'm going to be be able to appropriate it in my life, receive it into my life. And so how does does God bless us? Well, he, He empowers words. We see it from the very beginning that there's power in words. We talked about it last week about our confession and so forth. But what I want us to see is that we are empowered by words in the same way that God used words to accomplish what he was able to accomplish. Once again, going back to the beginning, going back to Genesis 1, we see that God used words when he created all things. It says in, the, in, in Genesis 1.22, And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. He blessed them. And how did he bless them? He blessed them through words. Verse 28. Then God blessed them and God said, we see something consistent. We see God blessed them and said. We see it with, <clears throat> um, with Moses. Uh, not with Moses, with, uh, with Joseph, when he brought his sons uh, before his father. And his father reached out and he laid his hands on them. But he didn't just simply lay his hands on him. what did he do? He blessed them. We see it with Abraham. That when Abraham blessed his sons, what did he do? He spoke words out. I don't know about you. Words bless me. When people say, nice things to you, it brings blessing upon you. Why? Because it it edifies you. But you know what? Words can also curse you. People can say things to you that are hurtful, that are damaging. And what does it do? It affects you. And so words are powerful. And so he says here in the 29th verse, be, <clears throat> then the Lord blessed them, and the Lord said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Then Genesis 2, 1, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth are the hosts of them, <clears throat> their, uh, of their flesh. And on the seventh day, God ended His work which He had done, and He rested on the seventh day for all of His work which He has done. Then the Lord blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it He rested from all his work, which he had created man, and he had created man-made. Notice that words are involved in blessing. You farmers, as you're driving through the fields on your equipment, you ought to be speaking blessing out. You ought to be blessing the crops. You ought to be blessing the ground. You ought to be blessing your equipment. Amen! Amen! You say, "Well, Pastor, Dave, I, I just feel kind of, I just I just feel kind of weird. I just feel kind of funny doing that. Get over it. Get over it. Well, I feel I feel funny just just speaking blessing over things. Get over it. Either the Bible is real or the Bible isn't real, and I believe the Bible is real. I believe the Bible is true." So we ought to be speaking blessing over one another. We ought to speak blessings over our children. We ought to be speaking blessings over our spouses. We ought to be speaking blessing over our our business places, whether we own them or they're they're where we're employed. We ought to speak blessing. Why? Because we're blessed. You know, it's an interesting thing about being able to bless somebody. You've got to be blessed first. And it starts up here. We've got to believe that what God says about us is true. We need to begin to speak blessings and not cursings. Three things we have to consider if we want God's blessings. We must discipline ourselves in prayer and in the knowledge of the Word. Discipline ourselves in prayer. And, and by prayer here, I don't mean that we've got to find a place and we get, we get down, we get real spiritual with God and we come out with a these and thousands of thusses. No, I'm just talking about talking with Him. I'm just talking about telling God, you know, here's where I'm at, just being real with God. And then knowledge of Him. But you know what? We don't have a knowledge of God if we don't have a knowledge of His Word. Because that's where we come to know him, and, and like I said earlier, I didn't say this, but this is what I implied, You know, it's not enough to just simply go by what somebody else says, because I'd listened to what other men had said and women had said, and I admired men and women, and I still admire them, but you know what, I took what they said at face value rather than going back to the Word for myself and finding out what does God really say about this situation. Because I don't know if you realize this or not, but there's a lot of screwy stuff out there. I'm talking about stuff that take the label of Christian and spiritual. And my mission this morning isn't to stand up here and put somebody else down. But my mission here this morning is for you to be alive to the Word of God, that you take the Word of God for yourself. And when you hear something, you're able to discern whether or not that's of God or that's man's idea. Because let me tell you something, a lot of man's idea is taking God's Word out of context to get it to say what they want it to say. Amen? Let me just reiterate this fact. Our God is a good God. Our God loves us. Your God ain't mad at you. It's important for us to get a hold of this and you think, well pastor, that just seems like a a, a bunch of insignificant rhetoric. No, it's not. It's very important for us to get a hold of this truth. So we need to discipline ourselves. Pastor, I don't like that word. Well, practice it anyway. We need to discipline ourselves in these areas. And then number two, we need to obey Him. And it isn't like we're obeying a bunch of rules and regulations, but when we see truths and principles in God's Word, We need to apply them in our lives. We need to take it and say, you know what? That belongs to me. I accept that for myself. I follow after him. And so we need to be obedient. And really that comes down to, you know what? When we mess up, we know it. Amen? When we mess up, we know it. We don't need somebody to tell us when we mess up, we know it. And, and so here when I'm talking about obedience, when we mess up and we know it, let's correct it. Let's do the right thing. You know, <clears throat> a lot of issues in life are solved when we simply do the right thing. And the thing about it is, is you, you don't just simply do the right thing, but everybody's watching. You do the right thing when nobody's watching. You know, the the true test of our faith, the true test of what we believe is what what we do when no one's around, when we don't have to. When we don't have to put on the front. That's what's the true test of what Jesus has really done. Boy, this is really serious this morning, isn't it? everybody looks like uh, you know I hope you 're just really concentrating deeply otherwise i 'm afraid you're going to charge me you know so if you're if you're, if you're happy, just go ahead and tell your face amen but it, but it is serious, I know it's serious because I want to walk the blessed life, I want to walk the victorious life and so it's it 's serious what we 're talking about here. And then the third thing is. We must be faithful. We need to be diligent. We need to have integrity in our life and in, in every area. Uh, here's three reasons people do not receive God's blessing. The number one is, is a lack of knowledge. Hosea 4.6 says, my people are destroyed, or another translation says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. You know, we used to say, well, what you don't know won't hurt you. Yes, it will. What you don't know will hurt you. You may not know about gravity, but if you get on the roof of this building and walk off the end over here, you're gonna hit the ground. Say, well, pastor, I didn't know about gravity tough. You're still gonna hit the ground. Because it works. But you know, there's principles in the Word of God that are the very same. We may not know about them, but those principles are working in our lives. I taught on them last week when I talked about confession. I saw how confession worked in my life, even when I knew nothing about confession, but what I was saying about others and what I was thinking and saying about myself. It was working in my life. People say, well, I don't believe in confession. Just take a look at your life. And you'll find out that confession is working. Because what you're saying is manifesting in your life. And so, it's like I heard a preacher say one time, if you don't like what you see in your life today, change what you say. And it'll change your tomorrow. What you say in your life is painting a picture of what your life is going to be tomorrow. And so let's use words. God used words and he created. We can use words and we can create the environment around us. Every one of us have experienced it. You come into the house and everything seems to be pretty good at the house and you're you're just in a lousy mood. And so you come into the house and you express your lousy mood and what happens? For long, everybody in the house is in a lousy mood. You know, <clears throat> Dan Dennison, Pastor Dan Dennison, he always called it the line syndrome. He was a bricklayer for 25 years before he went into the ministry. He worked up in the Minneapolis area, and, and he says it was, it was always an interesting phenomenon. You know, because usually when you had a large wall, they would consider a line of bricklayers of being five guys, five bricklayers. You'd have three tenders that would carry the hod for the, uh, for, for the five bricklayers. But he says, you'd show up in the morning and out of the five guys, usually, you know, four of the guys were in a pretty good mood, but there was always one. There was always one that hated his job, hated his wife, hated everything. Just wanted to get home and kick the dog. And so he would, he would generally always be right in the middle And so you're working back and forth across that line, laying brick or block, whatever it is. And this guy in the middle is complaining the whole time. And he gets to this side and he's complaining, he gets to this side and complaining, get to this side and complaining. And he says, by by noon, the guy's on either side of them. They hate their job, they hate their wife, they just can't wait to get home to kick the dog. But he said, by evening, all five of them are in the same place, why? Because they all listen to the guy in the middle. Words created an environment. If you don't think words created an environment, you're deceived. And so we, we want to live a blessed environment? Then what are the words that are coming out of our mouth? What are we saying to others? Joshua eight says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night. For then, when? After you've meditated in the Word of God. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Who will make your way prosperous? You will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. I want good success. Amen. I don't want success in just one area of my life. I want success in every area of my life. And that's what he's talking about here. And of course, we all know Romans 10:17 that faith comes by hearing, in hearing by the word of God. Faith comes in no other way than hearing the word of God. That's why the word has to be first place in our life. So, <clears throat> what are the hindrance to the blessings of God? Lack of knowledge. Um, we receive revelation through His Word. Some people do not receive God's blessings because they fail to correctly appropriate the law of faith. You see, grace is God's part. Grace is what Jesus has already done for you and me. Grace is what was imparted into each of our lives the moment that we receive Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That's why it says in Ephesians that we've received the manifold graces of God. We've received that. It's in us. But we appropriate it or we, we Energize it by faith. Within you, according to Peter, within you is everything that is needful for life and to live a godly, holy life. Everything you need to achieve that is already on the inside of you. It's in your spirit man that was imparted the very moment that you were born again. You know, Corinthians 5.21 says that we are the righteousness of, of Christ. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so you and I are righteous. The moment that we were born again by the righteousness of God, which was imparted into our lives, we became right with God. At that moment, we were as right with God as we would ever be. Not because of anything that we had done, but because of what Jesus did for us. And so I'm looking at a righteous crowd here tonight, today. I'm not going to preach that long. That's not a carryover. But I'm looking at a a group of people that are righteous. Well, you know, Pastor, I know some of them, they've kind of screwed up a little bit. Not dependent upon that. It's what Jesus has done for you. You see, the moment our self-worth begins to to depend on me and my actions, my identity with Christ, if it's dependent upon me, the first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to begin to judge you. Because in order for me to feel better about myself, I've got to put you down so that I feel secure in who I am. But see, my security isn't in me. You know, nowhere in the Bible does it tell us that we're to compare ourselves to one another. There's only one comparison that we make in our life, and it's me towards Jesus. And guess what? I come up short. But because of his completed works, I'm able to fellowship with Jesus fellowship with God why because of what Jesus did for me not because of what I've done but because of what Jesus has done and you know it's an interesting thing about that people say well pastor you get into that mode and people will get the idea that they can do anything that they want you know what i found out the more that i experience the love of god the less I want to come against anything that he's given me or instructed me in life. I want to serve him, not because I feel this, this obligation, not because I feel this great burden that if I don't serve him rightly, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have all, all hell's gonna break loose. No, I, I serve him because I want to. And I want to serve him Because he loves me. You know, it's an interesting phenomenon. The Bible says we're able to love one another because he first loved us. You see, my ability to love you unconditionally is dependent upon my understanding that God loves me unconditionally. Because when I come to that realization, there isn't anything that you can do to me that's worse than what I did towards my loving father. And you know what he did? He forgave me. No questions asked. He just simply Forgave me. You know what hinders us many times from experiencing and walking in the blessings of God? It's that we don't forgive people. We carry that burden. And when we carry that burden, whether we want to admit it or not, it, I don't know, I think I can use this word, it defiles us. Not that God is pouring guilt or shame or condemnation on us, but we allow it in our own lives. Because really what we're saying is, we don't have a true revelation of how much God truly loves me. You know, when I know how much He loves me, it becomes -er. (laughs) (laughs) easy-er. Better add that part to it because anybody that says it's easy to forgive, well, they've they've lived in a vacuum someplace. Because it's not easy. Amen? It's not easy. Let's, let's Let's just stop lying and start being real with one another. It's not easy. But you know what? Through Jesus, we can walk in forgiveness towards one another and experience harmony with one another and accomplish so much for the kingdom of God with one another. But it's through him. You know, in James, it it, it makes makes an interesting statement. A lot of people don't like James uh, because James is kind of in your face. But James, the fourth chapter in the second verse, he says, you lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You know, a lot of times, we don't have because we, we don't ask. Well, pastor, I thought that God already knew everything. Well, I, I believe he does know everything. But on our part, this, there's this, this thing where we need, to, we need to ask. I think it was Wesley that made this statement. He says, it seems as if that God can't do anything on earth unless someone asks. And so let's ask. You need something in your life? Ask. But we need to ask in faith. And the way that we ask in faith is going back to what we talked about earlier. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And so faith can only be extended to the extent that we know the will of God. And this is the will of God. It reveals to us what the will of God is. And so then he goes on and he says, You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Two things there you ask, but you ask amiss. What does that mean? Yeah, it's the wrong thing. We don't ask according to the word of God. That's why the Bible is so important. If we want to walk in the blessings of God, if we want to abide in the blessings of God, we need to know what the will of God is concerning the blessings of God. And his word reveals that to us. So he says, you ask, but you ask amiss. We don't ask the right thing. We don't ask according to his word. But then he says, we ask selfishly. We ask, I think one translation says, we ask God of our, our lust. We just want it for self. <clears throat> you know, we're supposed to be kingdom-minded. Amen? Thank you for that grunt or two. We're to be kingdom-minded. Our thoughts are to be on the things of God. And anytime time our, our thoughts, you know, you know don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying we're supposed to be walking around, you know, like, you know, oh, we got a light out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, but we're, we're not supposed to be walking around just with our heads in the cloud or something. Um. We're to be walking, recognizing that wherever I am, 24-7, I'm in the kingdom of God. I'm part of His kingdom. I'm a child of God. I'm a representative of Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter where I'm at. And, and, And again, it's not like I've got to be this super spiritual thing what the world interprets as being spiritual, but I need to be mindful that I'm of God's kingdom. I'm not of this world. This isn't what, what dominates me. This isn't what controls me. You know, <clears throat> Mark eleven twenty two. it says, have faith in God. That's what it really boils down to is that we need to have faith in God. Some people don't receive God's blessings because they have no reverence of what it means to fear or reverence God. You know, that's, that's kind of a subject we don't really want to talk about anymore. You know, the reverence of God or the fear of God. And I think a lot of times we, we avoid the subject of the fear of God because we have such a misconception of what biblical fear of God really is. It's not that I live in terror of God. You know, I don't know about you, you know, I kind of grew up in an environment where we had this picture of God sitting up there in heaven someplace just waiting for you to screw up so that he could whack you a good one over the head. And so we see not God as this loving Heavenly Father, we see God as a, as a father that's just waiting to lay the wood to us, to punish us for our evil behavior. We don't see him as a loving God. But you know, it's a very interesting thing. When you begin to study the scriptures and you begin to study through the fear of God, you find out that you end up with a much different description of the fear of God than many of us grew up with. Because when the Bible is talking about having a fear of God, it's talking about having a reverence, having a respect of God. And oftentimes, we've we've totally lost that. You know, when I grew up, you know, the the church uh, was a holy place. And it was just you know taken to the extreme. Well, in our loose culture that we have today, the church is just a just another building. Well, that went over really big too, didn't it? <clears throat> you know, but we 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 don't we don't have and it, and it is it's just a building. But along with the surface respect that we've we've showing. The physical, we've lost the inner respect, the inner fear of God. And and the thing that we need to see is that the Bible talks a lot about the fear of God, but it's not talking about us being terrified of our Heavenly Father. But it shows that when we show God respect, there's a blessing. That goes along with me. Let let me share some of this. In Proverbs 8, 13, it says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way, and the perverse mouth of hate. What does it say? If we we fear God, we hate evil. It doesn't say the fear of God is that if I do evil, God is going to hammer me. No, what it's saying is, if I have a fear of God, if I have a reverence of God, the things that I see go on around me that are contrary to His love and what He wants to accomplish here on the earth, there's a a hatred of it. I hate it. When I see children on TV and they're, they're deprived, they're, they're starving. They haven't got enough. I hate that. But you know that's birthed out of a fear of God because we know that God loves them and God wants to provide for them. It's what, what, do, we, what do we focus on. Let's look at some other passages. In Proverbs 19, you find a lot of this in in Psalms and Proverbs where where it talks about the fear of God. Proverbs 19, 23. The fear of the Lord leads to life. And he who has it will abide in sanctification. He will not be visited with evil. You know how we avoid a lot of evil coming against us? We have a fear of God. And it says, again, notice what it doesn't say. It does not say, let me find it again, and the fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it will abide in sanctification. It does not say, he who has it will be sanctified. He says the one that has it will abide in sanctification. We'll be in right standing with God, we'll live right. Why, because of the fear of God. But it isn't because I'm afraid that God is gonna. How many of you did that work? with your parents. Now, if if that would have worked with your parents, not a single one of you would have ever rebelled against mom and dad. You know, I want to ask how many of you never rebelled against mom and dad, but then, you know, would keep us longer because I'd have to have a prayer line for liars. Because I know every one of you did in one way or another. And you know what? Some of us, had a fear of mom and dad. I'm not talking about reverence. I'm talking about terror. But you know what? It didn't do the trick. Every Monday night, I visit with guys that have a fear of the law. Fear from the standpoint they don't want to get caught again. But they don't have a reverence for it. They don't have a respect for it. And because they don't have a reverence or respect, they don't want to go back to jail. But it's a vicious cycle. Why? Because they don't respect the law. They don't respect the authority. Yeah, I remember one time, this guy, I'd known him for probably 15 years. Every institution I'd visited, he was in it. You know, he was in, I I met with him in Newton, in the correctional facility, in Newton, in the release center. Uh, I I saw him in Fort Dodge in the correctional facility. And I saw him in Rockwell City in the correctional facility. All all those different areas. And I visited him in uh, uh, the jail at... uh, um, Sack County. So, you know, I knew, knew the guy pretty well. And so I hadn't heard from him for a while. You know, that's always not a good indication when they say they're going to contact you. And so finally I get this letter from him and uh, he's in Story County Jail. And so I go over to Story County Jail to visit him again. And uh, uh, we're just visiting and we're just about ready to end the visit and I'm just about ready to get up and leave, and he says, you know, Pastor, if it just wasn't for these Iowa laws, if it just wasn't for these Iowa laws, and I sat back down, and I looked him in the face, I said, I don't understand you. You know, because it was, Drugs, it was meth. I said, I don't understand you. You you lost a business. You lost your family. You've lost 20 some years of your life behind bars. By this time, you ought to hate meth and drugs and everything that it represents. But no. No. It's these Iowa laws. We ought to hate what God hates. And it isn't about God coming down and hammering us. I'm not going to stand up here and say, you know, if, if you don't bless God. Notice how it shakes now. <laughs> I, can, I can be a better fire and brimstone preacher now. okay to have fun in church. Amen? Even on serious things. I, I, I lost track of what I was going to say. No, I can stand up here and say, you preach fire and brimstone and say, you straighten out your life or hell is going to be your final destination. Well, you know, if we don't, we, we will. But you know what? That will not straighten you out. But I'll tell you what will straighten you out. When you realize that God loves you so unconditionally, that everything that He's revealed to you in His Word is not for your detriment, but it's for your benefit, that He wants you to live the abundant, blessed, victorious life in every way, shape, and form, and touching every area of your life, and you come to the realization of that, and those things that once held you in bondage, those things that wanna tear you down, you hate it. Not a person. Not talking about a person here. I'm talking about, the, I remember sitting at a middle school volleyball game with a parent, if I told you his name, you'd know who it was. But we were, just, we were just visiting. You have a lot of time to visit at a middle school volleyball game. But his family had a history of alcoholism. And my family has a history of alcoholism. And we sat there and we got talking about it and how we had, we had both lopped it off and made the decision that we were going to have absolutely nothing to do with it because of what we saw it produce in our families. And I I look to him finally and I says, you know, I find absolutely no redeeming element in alcohol at all. None. Now I know some of you probably like to have a nice glass of wine or whatever with your meal. Bless you. I don't. Why? I find nothing redeeming about it. Why? Because I saw what it did to family members. I saw what it did to the cousins that I grew up with. I saw how my brother had to go through treatment. I saw the influence that it had on my nieces and nephews. And I want nothing to do with it. I hate it. Because of what it produces in the lives of people. And you know what? You can go along the line and whatever your deal is. Every one of us, we've got stuff in our life that that has has tried to come against us. And and for many of us, it's been a a battle. But you know what? We need to come to the point where we hate what it represents because it's trying to take me away from my risen Savior, Jesus Christ. It's trying to distract me from what really matters. Let me tell you what really matters, and it's but one thing. It's Jesus and He crucified. The revelation that we have of Him. And anything that would come against us, that would try to distract us from that, it's something that we need to turn from. Got several other passages here that, that talk about the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1 7 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is is the beginning of of knowledge. Having a reverence for God is the beginning of knowledge. Listen to me. Until we have a reverence for God, all of this stuff is just a bunch of words. Until you realize that we have a God that will not lie, we have a God that is true to His word, no matter what circumstances are, we trust Him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Psalms 15, 1 and 2, it says, Lord, who may in Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. Who may abide in his tabernacle? Of course, this is old covenant. There's been a There's been a change in the plan. The tabernacle is no no longer a building. The tabernacle is you and me. We are the temple. We are the home. We are the house. We are the tabernacle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Through the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit, He lives and abides within each and every one of us. He's taken up His residence in us. Just one more passage, uh, two more passages. One more passage and then I'll get to the closing passage. Habakkuk 2, seven through nine, it says, I will shake all nations. They shall come to desire, uh, desire of all nations and I will fill this temple with glory. Here he's talking about a physical temple. But you know that principle applies to you and me because we're his temple. He wants to fill us with his glory. Now I don't know what the true definition of glory is. But my definition of glory is God's manifestation in our lives. He wants to manifest himself through you and me. It's through his glory. And so he goes on, so he says, I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of God. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory is the latter temple, shall be of the latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I'll give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Remember when they were dedicating the temple? And the priests, the glory was so strong in the temple that they couldn't even stand. They fell over. It says the glory filled the temple. God's glory wants to fill you and I, his temple. And when we understand the fear of the Lord, when we understand that everything that he has for us is for our benefit, it's for our good, because he loves us totally, unconditional. That means it doesn't matter what stupid stuff you've done. God's love for you is greater than that. And he wants to demonstrate it to you and me. Let's read Ephesians, the first chapter. The third verse, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has. See, Jesus was blessed to be a blessing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know how hard it is to read that and not read the whole chapter? You need to do that later on for yourself. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has, past tense, blessed, You and I, with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you something. If it's in Christ, it's in you. Half a dozen people just turned off Facebook right there on that one. It's in Christ. It's in you. Because he wants you to be blessed, to be a blessing. But until you see yourself blessed as Christ has blessed you, you'll always come up short. You won't fulfill the plan, the purpose God has for you. We talked about discipline. We need to discipline ourselves. Need to discipline ourselves according to the word of God. We used to always talk about church discipline. And that's what we were gonna do to you if you didn't shape up. But real church discipline is when Jesus reveals to you where you need to make a change. And you agree with him. You say, you're right. And you take steps in that direction to bring about the change. And you know, I got three things down here. That's why I'm trying to just touch them as I'm closing. Faithfulness faithfulness is doing what he's spoken to us to do each one of us individually we are a a corporate body but anyone that has more than one child knows how different they are we got four kids that grew up in the same house same everything Totally different. Why? They have totally different calls on their life. Here we are in this church. We all serve the same God. But you know what? He speaks to each of us differently. Our faithfulness is to hear Him and hear what He has for me. And then obedience. I don't have to be you. And you're not supposed to be me. We're to be who God has created us to be. He wants to bless us in that area, whatever it may be. If we will listen to Him, if we will follow Him, if we'll just simply say yes, He equips us to fulfill the plan, and the purpose that he has for each and every one of us. God loves you. God wants to lead you. He wants to lead you in a greater victory than you've ever experienced before. And it's all in the name of Jesus through his blood. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes you just have to quit. You don't know how to close, and so you just quit. So I'm quitting for today. Hallelujah. Let's just lift your hands to him. Father, we're so grateful that your word is unchanging, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Father, that we can trust you fully and completely. Father, we thank you that you love us unconditionally, that your love isn't determined by our actions, but it's determined by the actions of one, Jesus. And so we thank you for that. We thank you for all the blessings, all the benefits that belong to us because of faith. Lord, we just pray that you will open our hearts and minds to a greater measure to see the truth of your word and then to take it and apply it in our lives. For truly, we're blessed so we can be a blessing to others. And so Father, we thank you for the victory that belongs to us. We thank you for Landon, we thank you that the victory is his through Christ Jesus, our Lord. We thank you, Father, that through difficult times, we look and trust completely on you knowing that you're unchanging. And so, Fathers, we go from this place. Use us as your ambassadors to be a witness of your goodness and of your love. That those around that hear and see will know that truly you are a good God. And so, Father, I pray that in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in the magnificent name of Jesus, we give you all the praise and the glory. And so, Father, I just speak a blessing over this congregation in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Give somebody a hug, let them know you love them.